Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. It's Ian here with you tonight. The Reverend Captain Kickass and his brand new Captain Kickass t-shirt are here. <laughs> and Beakless Mountaineer. We did get into it last night on the show as the news had broken yesterday that the I believe the country's 16th largest bank as at least as far as by their holdings I believe uh, that's right that uh, has failed and failed miserably the Silicon Valley Bank which of course is home to many Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and you know big venture capitalist funds and such has uh, gone complete uh, belly up. The Federal Government Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, has taken over uh, the bank at this point, claiming they're going to honor all of the insured accounts, which apparently there probably aren't very many insured accounts at this particular bank because uh, most of the clients... About, uh, about 3%. Yeah. <laughs> Reuters took down the uh, story that they had yesterday. What do you the, mean? The link that I have leads to, we can't find that. Uh, what was it about? It was uh, the quote that I took from it was at some sites, the doors were locked and cursory notes were found advising customers <laughs> to try elsewhere. Sorry. Oh, and don't forget, they called the police on their own customers at the Manhattan branch on <laughs> I think it was Friday morning as, you know, these Tech Valley, uh, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs were yeah. standing outside waiting to try to get into their, you know, get their money back. Uh, or get it withdrawn, and they told them, "Yeah, we're calling the cops on our own customers." The cops came, and they and it ended up leaving because there was, you know, it's not like the people were threatening anyone; they were just there wanting their money. And so last night, I didn't. When we were discussing this, I didn't think because we we did talk about how the stablecoin company Circle, which is behind USDC, the number two largest stablecoin yeah. on the planet. By volume, and for listeners that don't know, a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency token that is purportedly backed by something. In this case, the U.S. dollar or some form of dollar equivalents, like a treasury bond or whatever. Well, apparently USDC had about twenty-five percent of their um, their twenty-five percent. Twenty? No, hold on. Twenty-five percent of their backing was in dollars. The rest of it's like treasury bonds and and other non-dollar so-called equivalents right but of the 25 percent they had and they've got like a 30 plus billion maybe a 40 billion dollar market cap so roughly 10 billion of their 40 billion is in dollars and it's being held in six different banks one of which was silicon valley bank and initially usdc was very quiet about you know anything they hadn't said anything about what was going on they eventually put out this kind of very generic statement that didn't really admit to anything and then eventually did admit that 3.3 billion dollars were being held at the Silicon Valley Bank which presumably is gone at this point there's you know very little chance they're going to get pennies on the dollar yeah the FDIC uh, only insures up to $250,000 well so. right i mean maybe they had some sort yeah, of private I insurance but go ahead yeah, at this point, uh, Silicon Valley Bank gets uh, sold off. All of its assets get sold off, and the like ninety-seven percent of uh, of the people who had money in there uh, get whatever the whatever the government can get for it. Right, whatever assets are sold off, whatever that results in, which again, probably going to be pennies yeah. uh, on the dollar, but. Uh, the thing I didn't think to do last night was to check the price of the USDC, right, the, yeah, the, the so-called stable dollar stablecoin. And I didn't get to it until after the show. 
And it had gone down to 88 cents <laughs> at the time that I looked at it. So in the world of cryptocurrency. So stable. Yeah, in the world of cryptocurrency, you call that a DPEG, meaning that supposedly the price of these stable coins is supposed to be as close to a dollar as possible. Yep. You usually see them at like 1.0001 or 99.99998 or something. They kind of range in yeah. a very, very close range with, with a dollar. What's amazing to me about this is so you have not only the number two stable coin, but a bunch of other stable coins all depegging and like Bitcoin's going nowhere. Yeah, yeah, all at the same time. And the Bitcoin price, no, nah, it's fine. Well, I mean, Bitcoin is fine, right? Like it has nothing to do with the stable coins. Right. Well, no, that's not true. So a lot of people, what they do, they put their money on their exchange, then they'll turn it into stable coins to hold on to for when they want to throw it into whatever coin. Sure. So so the fact that that it hasn't really gone up and hasn't really gone down is really amazing. Like you haven't seen so many people uh, getting freaked out that they go, oh, well, I better pull my uh, stable coins out into dollars. You haven't seen them go, oh, I better put my stable coins into the cryptos that I want before mm. they go down further in value. You've just seen it kind of stay the same place. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're saying that people probably should have been freaking out last night and bailing out of USDC and getting into something else. Maybe they got into Tether. Maybe they, they switched from USDC to the other stablecoin, which is the number one stablecoin, yeah. USDT, Tether. In fact, last night, uh, the USDT price was at like a dollar two. Oh. So the price of Tether was going up, which does suggest that maybe that's what was going on. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, people still have enough confidence that they'll be able to get in and out of Bitcoin that it hasn't moved up or down. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't looked at it either, but I uh, somebody wrote that uh, Monero, XMR, was just fine as well, that it hadn't moved. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's take a look here at the Silicon Valley Bank situation. Uh, if, you know, Peakless, you weren't here last night for the discussion that we had. Is there any sort of initial thoughts you want to get out there? Otherwise, I do have some stories that we can get into with what might have happened, what some people are saying happened. And I have kind of a specific yeah. question for Peakless. So. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Wherever you want yeah, to start. Go ahead. Uh, so I, I was reading about SVB, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Not to be confused with SBF. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or SRV, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank. See what happens with all these acronyms, man? I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, we'll bust out the evil book of acronyms, the Acronymicon. <laughs> Uh, a little later. Uh, so I, everything I read about SVB said that they were acting about as conservatively as a bank could, even though their mm. niche market was tech startups. Like they had put a bunch of money into, was it bonds, if I remember mm. reading correctly? Yeah. And because yeah, and, that and, was uh, like supposed to and, be a conservative, stable move for the bank, and it's literally because of the Fed's hike in interest rates mm -hmm. that this has occurred. So if you can you yeah, know, so, walk me great. through that I, as I, a layman. That's where, because... I to, that's where I wanted to get started anyway. Okay. So, um, so here's uh, my understanding of what happened here. So uh, a while back, of course, they gave us all you know a bunch of money, and we had no opportunity to spend it. So, of course, what did people do? They uh, took all that money that the government gave them and they invested. Okay, well, mostly what that means for people is that they put it in the bank. So Silicon Valley ends up with this, you know, flood of deposits 
and they aren't able to make enough loans to uh, to be more profitable to compete with the other banks. Okay. So they put a, a huge amount of that money in mortgage-backed securities. Remember those from the 2008 crash? <laughs> I sure did. I've heard of that, yeah. Right. So uh, it's pretty simple. They take a bunch of mortgages, wrap them together and cut the cut the thing in, in slices and sell those slices. So they're they're considered to be really, really safe. Um, thing is, what they weren't expecting was that the uh, that the federal funds rate would increase the way that it has. Mm-hmm. So uh, private equity Powell comes along. And in order to keep the dollar from just inflating into oblivion, he starts hiking rates faster than pretty much ever. And I'm probably oversimplifying, but it seems to me that it's just a lack of cash. I know we talk frequently here on Free Talk Live about how, you know, there's far more dollars in existence uh, in the ether than there are in the physical world. And there are mm-hmm. or far fewer dollars, right? Like there are not enough physical U.S. dollars to represent all of the dollars that are being spent. And so is that what we're seeing yeah, here? Yeah. And I've got, uh, uh, thanks to Lynn Alden, I've got some hard numbers on that one. So uh, the banking institutions have deposits of $17.6 trillion. Now, the, the the amount of money that they've actually held on to is and not invested in things like mortgage backed securities and treasuries and all that are 3.1 trillion now the amount of actual hard in your hand dollars and and coins that they've got yeah. is less than 100 billion so 0.1 trillion less than that so yeah pretty rough this is Way all less of the than banks 1%. in the United States that you're talking yeah. about combined? Yeah. The uh, story from Yahoo Finance says that the interest rates have soared from 0.25% to 4.5%. So when you talked about the Fed mm-hmm. raising those interest rates, they say it was 1,700% in less than a year is mm-hmm. how the Federal Reserve raised these rates and then, as you pointed out, the customers were basically saying, well, why do we want to sit our money with Silicon Valley Bank and make point zero zero one or whatever their, you know, right, whatever, yeah. whatever crap can right. uh, bank savings rate you're going to get when they can go into the U.S. Treasury note, according to this, that offered nearly triple the yield of their uh, SVB's long-term bonds. It says your SVB's portfolio of long-term bonds yielded an average of just 1.6%. And you could get triple that on just a two-year treasury. Well, so it's that, but it's also happening everywhere all at once. So all of the other banks are making the same decision. Mm-hmm. They're going, hey, why should I buy bonds? Why should I buy these mortgage-backed securities since I can get an absolutely sure thing that gives me at least a little bit of yield here? Why should I uh, have, take the risk that you won't pay your mortgages like you did in 2007? Right. Okay, so so all these other banks are also moving this money into treasuries instead of these mortgage-backed securities. Okay. Whereas uh, Silicon Valley, they're stuck. They already agreed to like a 10-year term on these things mm. so that they could get decent rates on them so that they could compete. So they are stuck in that, and they have to sell it as it is. And that's why it says here that they sold $21 billion of bonds at a loss of $1.8 billion in order to shore up their liquidity. But that led to the run on the bank that you described, where people got caught wind of this 
And that's why you saw the uh, SVB stocks apparently tumbled 60% in yeah. uh, pre-dawn trading or whatever, and then another 60% after the markets opened. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, they're frozen and, and taken over by the FDIC. Yep, exactly. The FDIC re- reaches a point where they're like, oh, well, according to our math, you cannot ever pay these people back. You know, the mainstream media here, some of them are saying, oh, well, you know, don't worry. I've got this uh, Yahoo article that says, uh, let's see. I believe see. it's pronounced Yahoo. <laughs> it's, it says, I'm skipping down to the bottom here. Is there a risk of contagion? Well, if it sounds grim, fear not. Despite all of the drama, it's hard to see the downfall of Silicon Valley Bank leading to lasting damage across the wider <laughs> financial sector. Except for, for it's like all of the tech companies. For two, <laughs> for two main reasons. First, banks are extremely well capitalized thanks to strict post-great financial crisis banking rules. Second, few banks have such a concentrated exposure to risky startup companies like SVB. Peakless, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, is this mainstream media p- perspective correct? Is there anything? Is there anything to be concerned about here for anyone else in the other well, banks? And, and before Peakless gives his response, I just want to say that uh, at least as long as I've been alive, whenever there's been something in the news that may have, we'll say, catastrophic effects on on society or whatever, the news has always been like, "Oh, don't worry." Like mm-hmm. every time, like uh, they think we're about to go to, "Oh, don't worry, we're not going to go to," and then we go to war. Right. Oh, they're not going to drop any bombs. And then they drop bombs. Oh, you know, this financial situation in 2008. Right. When this stuff, when, when the cracks first started to be seen uh, before the crash, uh, all of the media that I saw, the mainstream media was, oh, ah, nah, it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. We'll recover. No problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. The, their analysis, if you want to call it that, is literally laughable. Mm-hmm. I mean. Okay, so they talk about, oh, well, they had exposure to all of these uh, all these tech startups. That's true. Mm. That had nothing to do with this. Mm. None of this was caused by the tech startups. The tech startups were doing fine. Yep. It's that they didn't have enough money to cover their costs. Right. And, oh, no, the, the, the other banks, they're, they're very well uh, financialized. So the, the line here is the uh, $250 billion line. But here's the thing. Thing. the top four banks uh you know uh chase bank or jp morgan uh, uh bank of america like all of these are doing the exact same thing they also don't have that much money because because here's how this works they print an unbelievable amount of money so now all of the banks have to scramble to make more money than the inflation is causing so they can't hold on to enough dollars to actually pay all of their depositors or even come close. Right. And in this case, they can't even pay their own staff without having to sell their investments because all of a sudden, oh, well, I had no idea that we would actually fight inflation. Is uh, I, I've seen people speculate specifically about the tech companies who bank uh, either completely or partially with SVB. Uh, that there's some concern as to how many of these tech companies are going to be able to make payroll right. next week, much right. less next month. The it's, tech companies were doing fine until SVB went under, and now they may not be able to right. survive. Right. So I'm I'm curious, like, how valid are those concerns, Peakless? 
Extremely. So uh, one of the big issues that is happening is a bunch of companies that they didn't bank with SBV, but it was one of the ones that they went through for payroll. So there mm. are companies now that like, well, we were going to fire people, but now we can't afford their uh, uh, severance pay. Jeez. And and there were a, a bunch of ones that like, uh, let's see, what was the other thing? But yeah, so they, they can't afford to fire people. They can't afford not to fire people because they can't <laughs> get at their money to pay them right. for the work that they've God. done now that SB, uh, SVB has crashed. Do we have any names of who these companies are? Like some, are there some biggies we would all know about? Uh, none that, none that I know of. Okay. It's, it's tremendously common. Yeah. Like, and here's, and here's one of the fun things. So like, uh, one of the like absolute breaking moments that would completely collapse everything is so Chase, uh, JP Morgan Chase right. runs the exact same way. Now, a whole bunch of people have started to move from uh, Silicon Valley Bank to Chase to get their payroll done. Well, don't worry. I saw wow. that Jim Cramer said that uh, J.P. Morgan <laughs> Chase is a citadel or some word like that. They're really strong. They're they're impenetrable. Oh Ooh. boy! Apparently, he also said that people should invest in SVB earlier this year. I saw a clip <laughs> yeah, of that somebody posted. Yeah, yeah, about uh, I think it was a month ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, he really is. He he's he's like a shaman. Honestly, I mean, he's <laughs> the reverse like, kind of shaman. He really is. He's the reverse shaman of good financial the wisdom. Shaman. <laughs> I mean, he even predicted who would lose the Super Bowl by showing up in their jersey. So wow, <laughs> amazing! Uh, but yeah, so, and if I mean, it's much less likely, and it's going to be it's going to take a lot to bring down J.P. Morgan Chase because mm -hmm. they have built connections with their regulators for over a hundred years. Mm -hmm. So. That one's going to be tough. A lot of people are just going to look the other way no matter what. Well, look, I'm not trying to scream, uh, you know, everybody bank run, get your money now. Like, you know, that's just not me as a person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if I got some money in that bank, I'm going to do whatever the heck I need to do to get it you out. You mean also. any bank. You mean and, any bank. And, and not just that bank. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't get it out of SVB at this point. Well, right. I, unless you're less, you know, unless the FDIC makes you, they're, they're going to open on Monday. According yeah. to what I read, the FDIC is going to open right. Silicon Valley bank on Monday under their control or whatever. And apparently anything under 250,000, you can get that uh, supposedly. Yeah. Now I don't know how that works. I don't know what it's like to walk into a bank that's been taken over by the fed. Probably <laughs> suck even worse than normal bank. Like, you know, customer service um, has just gone out the window. Any semblance as, of customer service they might have had previously. Mm -hmm. I mean, one like comfortable thing for the customers, the like less than three percent that had less than two hundred fifty thousand there. It's the exact same staff. It's just that they, instead of trying to remain open, will be closing. So uh, FDIC is just going to keep everyone in place to close this thing down. Um, they they expect to have it done within the next week, is what they were saying. Mm -hmm. So. I, and given that they don't have that many people to worry about, yeah, probably. 
But the the ripple effects on this are just huge. Yeah, I think and, that's what we're not even uh, you know able to really predict, right? I mean, not only do you have these tech companies that could be going out of business unexpectedly right. because they can't make payroll, they don't have access to their million dollar bank account. Gosh, if only there uh, were an alternative to banking where you could store value outside of the banking industry. <laughs> right? But what are some of the other ripples that you are predicting here, Peakless? Oh, uh, well, so. Yeah, I mean, basically, the, the, the system is so interconnected that any one of them, especially a major one going down, like, this was supposed to be too big to fail. Mm-hmm. And as you've noticed, this happened way too quick for, uh, even if they wanted to, for, for the, the federal government to step in and say, no, no, we'll cover you. Like, no, this happened in, like, 48 hours. Well, but couldn't they like, still? I mean, there are there is talk, obviously, about the federal government coming in and bailing out this bank that could still happen right i would bet dollars to donuts that it is not going to happen bonnie's got an account over at td bank and i'm like you know they're open on sunday wouldn't be a bad idea just go on down there and take some funds out you know and and i was saying this last night i'm not a financial advisor or anything like this i'm just saying if it were me right and it's not. I'm not allowed to have accounts at TD Bank anymore. But uh, but they're open <laughs> on Sunday, and so if your bank is open on the weekend, probably not a bad idea to at least take some of your money out. Now, I mean, you still probably have to have a bank account these days for various different yeah. reasons. But uh, do you need to have what you have in there, or could you do all right if you took down the account by fifty percent or or whatever? Yeah. Right? Like you know, maybe you could store it at home in a safe or something like that. Obviously, there's no truly safe place to keep your funds, right? Like, you, it's you know, if your if your house catches on fire, then uh, you know, maybe you've got a fireproof safe. But uh, there's there's always risks, right? Whether it's government seizure of your money in a bank or from your house, which of course has happened uh, to me, right? Or it's you lose your cryptocurrency wallet uh, password or the the secret words that you need. Yeah. You know, it's still best to have a diversify a diversification oh, of yeah. your your money in different places. And like to me, I think the tangibles, you know, for the lay people anyway. Oh, I, I don't know enough about crypto. I'm afraid of crypto. Okay, fine. Uh, move some of your money into gold. You know, sure. I, I think that the tangibles are where it's at. Uh, even, you know, odd stuff like uh, you only think of like prepper type stuff or post-apocalypse stuff. Move some money into stuff that you could resell later. Ammunition, mm-hmm. always a good tangible product that you can holds its value resell, holds its value yep. just fine um alcohol cigarettes toilet yeah. paper you know uh, toilet paper takes up a lot of space though. okay but yeah, consumables yeah certainly if if you can afford to do a little stock up now now might be a good time to do it we don't know what's going to happen on monday i am very concerned about what is going to happen on monday morning uh with banks just in general i want to know who the the victims are here uh you know i haven't seen much yet there was a con- there was a article i found i was looking for like svb or silicon valley bank clients yeah i wanted to see who was there and the, the bank itself had like a success stories page where they showed some of their clients and nothing jumped out at me as knowledge you know i had never heard of them before okay uh, but the, this article here from the daily mail says roku which is a very big yep. tech company uh, the the streaming giant had 26% of its cash reserves, over $480 million, tied up in Silicon Valley uh, Bank. 
I mean, I'm almost reasonably certain that, not every, but a whole bunch of the early uh, disruption apps, um, you know, Uber, for example, would have at least had some business dealings with SVB. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to know is who who is this going to affect? Who who this weekend is running around like a chicken with <laughs> right, its head yeah. cut off trying to figure out how they're going to keep their business afloat when they didn't do anything wrong. You know, Roku didn't do they didn't run their business wrong by choosing Bank A over Bank B. Right. You have no idea when you walk through the doors of a bank how fiscally responsible these people are. And as the article that uh, we didn't get into, because thankfully we have Peakless Mountaineer here, this Yahoo Finance story says that Silicon Valley Bank just did what all banks do. They're not. Di- they didn't right. do something that's and, considered crazy. In and the in fact, world. they acted conservatively. Yes, they were not acting like they weren't taking unnecessary risks and, like say, you know, uh, the FTX exchange was right. with the uh, customer. Funds. Right. In fact, they right. were acting more conservatively than you would expect. So but it just goes to show that the system is so effed up. Yeah. That even the most conservative moves for bank investments have been undermined by the Federal Reserve's actions, yep. and of course they're intri- you know uh, intrinsically in, uh, intertwined, right? Like these bankers are the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve is are they're the bankers, and they they're all part of the same club. Yeah. But at the same time, the Federal Reserve isn't isn't likely to bail this bank out. Greg, you live in New York City, uh, where you're pretty close to a lot of these big banks and such. In fact, it was you who gave me the heads up yesterday that this story was breaking. Uh, so you've been following it for uh, for a little while, I guess. And uh, we do have, as I said, Peakless Mountaineer back. He's weighed in in the first hour. But Greg, you just asked before we came back on the air why did this, or you wanted to know? You wanted to know if we wanted to know why it happened. We've been discussing that, but what did you have to say about it? Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, I'm in the tech industry, and I hang out on uh, sites like Hacker News. You um, don't have any money in SVB, do you? No. Okay, good. Okay, no, thank I goodness. I, I feel better for you. I no, I build software to be alternative to the banking system. So, you know, um, I will say this though: is that uh, this is a great example of the federal government having an outsized influence on our economy. In this mm-hmm. case, what they did is raise interest rates. I mean, everybody knows this. This is not like a, you know, yep, this was big thing. news last year. And if you look at any mainstream analysis of why the Silicon Valley Bank went uh, under, it's because they had bought bonds at a low interest rate back, you know, relatively low mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, compared to what they are now. Right. So when you mark to market bonds like that, um, you're essentially taking a loss First of all, if they had bought the bonds this year, they would have been higher yield. So those bonds with lower yield are much, much less, worth a lot less now, relatively. And mm-hmm. who did that? The Fed, right? So unintended consequences, they want to clamp down on inflation. They say sometimes people can lose their job. Well, they weren't able to do much of that because uh, employment's still high. But what they have managed to do is make sure that a lot of these banks buying the bonds, they're portfolios are now worth a lot less okay Mm -hmm. and so a lot of banks are probably looking at that and being like okay you know our balance sheet becomes lopsided now we don't want to have a run on our bank so this is actually a very important thing that i think the federal government will have to start dealing with uh now um but this is a risk that we haven't seen yet in 2008 we saw banks taking on risk in and of themselves but here they bought one of the most stable things that people would normally associate with stability, which right. is 
backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, except, of course, it's now worth less because the U.S. government decided to put out even more high-yield bonds. So, yeah. Uh, they undercut themselves is what you're saying. Yeah, in an attempt to curb inflation. So the federal government, uh, you know, isn't the Federal Reserve per se. The Federal Reserve is a private institution that's kind of inherently tied in with the federal government because they provide the money, uh, the dollars to the federal government. The Federal Reserve is made up of private bankers. So essentially they're kind of, it seems like they're screwing over their buddies in the banking business, or at the very least the Silicon Valley Bank and any other banks that that got into these bonds at the lower rates. And they're just going to maybe let SVB fail and let whatever the fallout is that comes from that happen in order to protect the dollar's sanctity or the federal government? Is that what's going on here? It's going to fail. I think that the private market will step up and buy the distressed assets of the bank, which happens a lot. So the FDIC... Like company, J.P. Morgan Chase, for example? Maybe. Uh, I mean, there's huge consolidation in the banking industry. We know this. And there are too-big-to-fail banks like J.P. Morgan. This one is not too-big-to-fail, but at the same time, it is an attractive takeover target. So it's likely that many of these uh, account holders will actually be fine after really? having... Well, if another bank comes in mm-hmm. and makes good on all of their, these are liabilities that the bank has, right? So whenever a bank gives out, you know, uh, gives you an account, that's a liability because realistically, you can come anytime and take the money. This bank has more liabilities, presumably, than it does assets, right? That's why it's failed. All banks do, though. Right? Yeah. Uh, but this one got particularly bad, and the customers started pulling out funds, so it made the ba- the imbalance worse than most It made the most imbalance balance, worse. Most banks. So yeah. why would Chase want to come in there? They would have to take on the liabilities in addition to the assets, wouldn't they, in order to take over? That's where the insurance company comes in. Okay. So when the, your A business- private insurance company, not the FDIC? The FDIC. Okay. So what happened is that the the state of California basically said, all right, you're done, and we're calling in the FDIC. Mm-hmm. It was the state of California that pulls that lever. Okay. Got it. Then FDIC comes in, and FDIC is actually funded by the banks. So some of your money or some of the bank's money that they create uh, backed by your money right. uh, goes to pay the insurance premiums to FDIC for exactly these types of black swan events. And so the FDIC is literally an insurance company, like Lloyd's of London is for reinsurance, right? right but don't they only insure accounts up to 250000 Yeah. Yeah, they do. Correct. Well, that's going to only affect 3% of this bank account or this bank's account. So how does that help uh, Chase? Yeah, and this bank is special because this bank has a lot of like startups and none of them right. have only 250 Yeah, they got or, millions in, in the right. bank. Yeah. So how does that help Chase with its takeover? Well, whoever... So FDIC is going to shop it around, okay, just like they've done with other banks 2008. Right. I like, remember in 2008, the eventuality with Washington Mutual was that they got absorbed by J.P. Morgan Chase, which is mm-hmm. why I brought that up earlier. Ah. Uh, yeah, they changed the sign on the bank. Have you mm-hmm. seen this happen? Sure. A bank yeah, buys another bank. all the time. You get the branches... The same workers go to work, the same Mm -hmm. customers, nothing changes for them except a few little, you know, the signage changes, maybe the policy, maybe, I don't know, they have different HR departments, but like mostly everything stays the same and that's Mm -hmm. the point. So the FDIC is actually one of the institutions in the U.S. government that provides stability uh, for the banking system, forcing them all 
to pay for this insurance so that in this kind of event, the insurance company comes in. Just like, let's say your house got, you know, repossessed by the bank, a bank or whatever. They're going to try to sell it to someone, right? And that someone will take the inventory and there will be a bidding process. And at some point, uh, someone may make a good offer for it and say, okay, I'll take on those liabilities and I'll make all of the account holders whole. Of course, they don't have to. Maybe the best offer is I'll give them 80 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But until and that then happens. And they'd be happy to get something instead of nothing. Yeah. So we don't know what it's going to look like here. No, so the, the account holders could end up with full account rest- restoration. They could end up with 50%. Who knows? A bank with basically. a healthier balance sheet or a mm-hmm. bigger you know stash would go ahead and buy up this distressed bank. Mm-hmm. So How long is that going to take, do you think? Do you have any idea? I'm not an expert on it. Yeah. it, it, it could I'd be like a fire to get uh, Peakless's opinion on what Greg has said thus far. Yeah, so one of the, uh, from my perspective, one of the most interesting things about this is that when another bank ends up buying this, uh, presumably a much larger bank. So a lot of those tech startups today are involved in cryptocurrency development. So now we have a giant bank who is uh, who will have control over the the tech startups that will be investigating their competition. Jet, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. So I thought that you guys should, uh, since we're getting close to the uh, the magical fraudulent day of taxation, mm-hmm. I um, wanted to share some information with uh, the audience. First point I wanted. Everyone to know that whether they do know this or not, every one of the 535 members of Congress, as well as the president, vice president, know that there is no obligation for anyone to file or pay taxes. Hmm. But they go on anyway. Well, the jury in my uh, Crypto 6 case certainly seemed to think so. Yep. <laughs> and they, uh, they're going to try to send me to prison over it. Even though the IRS agent who was on the stand admitted that I may not owe any taxes whatsoever, didn't matter to the jury. And, you know, I can speculate on why that is, but it's probably because people think that, well, I got to pay, so you got to pay. Right. That's exactly it. It's the the mass delusion. Anyway, so I've got another little story for you. Okay. Um, Once upon a time, anyway, the uh, my next door neighbor used to be an accountant for a manufacturing company. Over the last few years, he's not been very friendly to us. And I didn't know why, except that. I want to also tell you that his son has not been very nice either since uh, he wanted to date my daughter, but she would not go. Hmm. So two things have happened. A couple years ago, the father signed on with this gang called the IRSs. Mm-hmm. And, and now... I get this letter demanding that I report to his office to explain how I make my money and how I spend it. Hold on. Your next-door neighbor joined the IRS, and he's now directly harassing you because your son, your daughter wouldn't date him or his, uh, his son? No, that's a different part of it. It's just oh. that um, it's the audit thing, and uh, you know he hasn't liked certain things like this tree hanging over. You know, under but what's property, the connection between like your neighbor and the IRS? He he actually works for them now? Yes, he got a job. He went from his manufacturing job mm-hmm. to the IRS. Wow. And now he gets to, you know, lord over me. The okay. worst part, another worst part, 
is the son, um, after graduating high school, got a job with the local gang we call police. Mm, oh, boy. So in the last year, I've been pulled over five times just outside wow. the housing development for some stupid stuff like uh, turning on red with traffic, going Damn. 38 and a 35. The tag light was out, touching the white line, you know, the, the, of the lane, you know. Yeah. So, so as you recall, um, my calls lately have been regarding the magic that happens when just other average people, neighbors and strangers, uh, obtain a title or a job, you know, um, to be our masters and uh, either obey them or face punishment. Yep. Well, um, I seriously would love to have an, a more in-depth discussion about this magic that takes place. Okay. Because uh, when these people, I mean, this is something I think that if everyone thought about it, if everyone really understood it, that they would see that these are just other people who have no more rights than you or I. So, um, Indeed. So how e much more deep do you want to go though, about this? Because you, know, you can. Well, I want to go deep in the, in the respect that um, if everyone can somehow move or change their imagination from thinking that somehow these badges and uniforms and titles and offices somehow make a difference beyond this individual, if people would just look at them, talk to them, or respond to them as though they are just other people, the world can change. So yes, that's um, true. the discussion I want to find out is what is this magic? Because I don't understand it. I mean, we, we say that it's delusion. We say that it, it's illusion, but there's something else there. And well, it's it's brainwashing. Really don't know. Go ahead, Peakless. It's respect. I mean, there's there's three major components of why people believe that these, you know, costumed characters with their papers and badges have some kind of special power. Now, there's the carrot, which they can print money, which is what we're talking about tonight. There's the stick, which they can beat you up, torture you, throw you in jail, kill you. Uh, without anyone, you know, raising a fuss. Mm -hmm. And uh, fundamentally, it's people respect them. You know, they look so great in their uniform and their robe, and they look so official and potent, so people come to respect them. Let's go to Jerome in South Carolina. Jerome, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a couple of stories I got to bring up. One of them is about West Virginia. They're offering people money to come live in West Virginia. Did you see that story? No, what's going on there? Is this yeah. similar to the Utah thing, where they're like um, the population and the jobs? Um, they they need more people coming there to um, take those those opportunities. So they're paying people money to come live there. How much? It's like a bonus. Uh, something like two thousand dollars a month or something like that. Uh, I, don't okay. know, I can't remember oh. exact amount. So, uh, but I'm not moving to West Virginia though. Why not? I love it here in South Carolina. Yeah, so I heard Vermont was going to do this a little while back, too. I think there. it was like seven grand or something that you would get for the first year, but a, you had to stay for a certain amount of time or something like I that. I think before I moved yeah. here, so in 2017, 2018, there was a, something, I think it was Utah, where they were offering you $10,000 uh, if you were a technical professional of some sort. Mm -hmm. uh, you could work remotely, and all you had to do was relocate to somewhere in utah for like a year 
And at the end of that year, they would just give you ten grand. Really? Yeah. And you can work remotely? Yes. So in wait. fact that was I think that was a requirement. So wait, you work remotely from another state too? Right. Yeah. You move to Utah, work remotely from there for your job that From Utah. Right, yeah. Okay. From a job that, you know, whoever, Silicon Valley, for example, I don't know, somewhere, whoever employs employs you there. But because they needed the population yeah, it, they were like offering ten grand in incentives. It's like mm, so. This is, by the way, uh, communities offering money to people for doing things. That's a form of possibly a universal basic income. What I want to say is, instead of offering ten thousand dollars to people, how about offering you know its population some perks? Utah has something. It's called uh, housing for the homeless. If you're homeless, they'll just give you a home. Funny enough, and and in fact, that turns out to be more cost effective than Who's putting they? them in jail. The, the government, US go- uh, the Utah government. Well, in this program. case, West Virginia is offering former residents twenty five thousand dollars in tax uh, rebates, basically, or tra- tax credits. Hmm. So you don't get yeah. a check, but you don't have to pay as much in property tax or or whatever. Yeah. I got another story. The one about uh, Fox being sued by this uh, boarding company Dominion for mm-hmm. a billion dollars. What's Are that about? Have to pay that. Well, they have proof that uh, it was everybody knows they lied about it because uh, it was good for the ratings. They admitted that they lied about election fraud because it was good for their ratings. And Murdoch even said, "Oh yeah, they lied." So they're being sued for a billion dollars by Dominion. So Dominion is this uh, big bad voting machine company. We've heard no, about them I know before. Big bad. Not no big bad voting. Company. Oh, I bet you they are. If they're if they're running good. electronic voting machines, there's a good chance that they are part of the problem of backdoors and manipulation on voting. That's what people have been saying Look, for a long time admitted, about them. Rupert Murdoch admitted that they lied about election fraud whoa, because whoa, whoa, they whoa. wanted to boost their rating. So Rupert Murdoch said he does not believe it. What does Rupert Murdoch know? What, he's suddenly an expert now, Jerome? He know he said he knew they lied. They lied about the election fraud because it was good for their ratings. He called look, Trump crazy. Well, look, that code is not open source. You cannot look at what they program it with. The only reason you would want to do that is if you're fiddling with it. This article from vice.com Something that was in the news not too long ago that sort of faded away might be making a comeback. The headline reads, the Boogaloo Boys are plotting a bloody comeback. We Mm. will go to war, says the headline. Sounds like something Vice would publish. Okay. It does, yeah. (laughs) I haven't heard anything about the Boogaloo Boys for... Uh, a year maybe yeah, a year, i mean or so they they had a like pre-covid like i remember us talking about them and they their... had an event in new hampshire during covid there was one at the state house that i went up to cover and okay. there were maybe about five guys that came out that were pretty libertarian dudes yeah actually so there's this there's this sort of mainstream media profile on the boogaloo boys that makes them sound like right-wing racists or whatever and right. that was not at all the case uh, with these guys at this particular event, these these were straight up libertarians. They were not racist, uh, and they were in favor of defensive, uh, you know, using force only in defense. Sure. Uh, but what are they trying to say? Advice. Well, uh, with their trademark Hawaiian shirts, tactical gear, and AR style rifles, the Boogaloo Boys 
burst on the American protest scene uh, in 2020, according to this article, testing the limits of open carry laws while rallying around shared fantasies of armed insurrection. The, the ones that are talking about armed insurrection are probably federal agents. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. By the way, it's not like there isn't a history of uh, of the federal government infiltrating uh, groups. And in fact, as someone who's oh, a yeah. left libertarian, I can tell you there are decades of McCarthyism followed by COINTELPRO. Like, it was a national security issue to bust, uh, what is it, lefty uh, professors and lefty uh, uh, socialists. It's like, oh, we can't have that kind of free speech in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the shoe's on the other foot, now I see a lot of people saying, well, I'm getting deplatformed by private companies or sometimes working with the Twitter papers showed that the federal government was involved, yep. but that has been going on on the uh, busting the left since I don't yeah, know. And, and with the Twitter papers, one of the things that came out is that the feds were saying, you know, you guys are so much harder to work with than these other big tech companies. <laughs> And it's like, oh, wait, you mean when you pay them millions of dollars and they take everyone you tell them to off of their platform and they're the ones that are hard. Oh, when they when they suppress direct messages because it contains something that would hurt Biden's chances of getting elected. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are hard to work with. Go ahead, Gigi. Good evening, everybody. Yes, Gigi. I find it so interesting, and I'm saying this facetiously, and I hope all of our wonderful listeners across this good old U.S. of A. are listening. Are we going to find out in the near future that somehow, some way, at some point in time, Dr. Fauci knew exactly what was going on and that people were coerced, and I underline that word, into multiple boosters, vaccinations, and lockdowns of this economy? What do you think, guys? I mean, I think at least the three of us, I don't want to speak for you guys, but uh, (laughs) I already knew all of that (laughs) and have known that for some time and been telling people for some time. So do the facts now, uh, you know, support what I at least have been saying here on Free Talk Live since the whole thing kicked off, I think Three yes. Three years ago. I think yes is the my answer. You guys? Uh, my, so, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I beg your pardon. I interrupted. No, go ahead, Gigi. Oh, thank you, sir. And my other point of contention is why did it take the Justice Department two years to investigate and come up with 86 stupid pages on the Louisville Metro Police Department for being, shall we say, irresponsible and unfit to protect and serve, as you guys always What are you referring emphasize. to? Oh, yeah, I'm not well, familiar with this story. Louisville, the police department, the Department of Justice came out with Merrick Garland at its head all over all over the media, every form of media, all this past week, saying that the Louisville Police Department for the past two years has been unfit to protect and serve, and I'm paraphrasing now, towards black residents and people of color 
and they are basing it on what happened with Breonna Taylor's murder. Uh, My question is, why should it matter whether Breonna Taylor is black, Chinese, polka dot, or pink? The fact that she was killed by reckless cops. Well, what are they going to do? I mean, they came out with a report, and I do have their press release here, which came out on Wednesday of this week. Uh, Justice Department finds civil rights violations by the Louisville Metro PD and the county metro government. uh, So now what are they going to do to clean it up? That's the question. I agree with you. Nothing at all. It's nothing going to happen. So there's there are reasons that these things take so long. One of them is just pure incompetence. This is government we're talking about. You don't yes, get to fire them, correct. so they have no incentive to be efficient. Now, the correct. other reason is that they, and this also ties into your question with Fauci, with any of this, while people care about it, they cannot admit the truth. As soon as people don't care about it, then they can admit the truth. Mm. And not only they don't care about it, but they're intimidated to not really caring that much. I mean, uh, some people can accept this in other countries. Like if you ask them, hey, what does the Russian public think about the uh, the war uh, in Ukraine? They're going to say, well, they're intimidated. They can't tell you what they think, right? But they don't realize that in this country, um, which by the way, has the greatest freedom of speech of any country. And even Noam Chomsky, who I interviewed as a big critic of the United States, I got him to admit that freely. Mm-hmm. Um, that just goes to show how bad government is in other places in the world. Sure. Okay. That this is the best and the most freedom of speech. People are still uh, very reluctant to go and uh, really go up against institutions like well, the police or, in this case, Dr. Uh, Fauci uh, and, and the... Uh, let me just say this one thing. Again, Thanks, DG, for the call. I do appreciate it. Thanks, DG. The corporations are working with the government. So the pharma companies, last time we saw them lobby the government is when they literally wrote Medicare Part D under W. Bush. Okay, they literally, that where they said that Medicare cannot negotiate against the drug companies like right. in every mm. other country <laughs> the nhs in uh in the uk negotiates drug price like everyone negotiates but then here no because the lobbyists wrote the bill the, the pharma and then the aids the way it works is the aids of these congress people they're the ones writing the bill the congressperson themselves yeah, they don't write it and then these aids go and work for the pharma Afterwards, which is what happened with Medicare Part D. Now the revolving farm, door, the revolving door, and they had the same. Matt Taibbi had a great uh, uh, article. Great writer. Why, why isn't Wall Street in jail? This was after two thousand eight. That was an article that made a huge impact on me. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I read that article and I was like, "This is spot on," and I've been a fan of Taibbi since then. So yeah, oh, yeah. like these well, and, industries. And, and, that's regulatory and, and capture. Go is, ahead, uh, sorry. Uh, Just real quick, and this is why, as soon as they're done being politicians, these big pharma companies, for example, will hire them to speak at their offices for unbelievably huge fees. We have Rob in Vermont. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I got a chance to meet Greg a couple of days ago, and, you know, all fear we were talking about Ross Perot. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask him, and I, and I know I've asked it on the show before, but I don't remember if I asked Greg, if he had won the election, where would we be today? Perot? Ross Perot. So uh, for the listeners who don't know, Ross Perot was... Ross Perot. 
Here's like a billionaire. I think he was a French descent. He was a short guy. And, yep. you know, most of our Texas, presidents right? Wasn't are, he Texas? Texas, yeah. Texas. Most of our presidents are pretty tall, as you can tell. It's like the, one of hmm. the statistics, right? Yeah. And here he is, like the short guy next to Bill Clinton and like, you know, William Je- Jefferson Clinton and Bush yeah. Sr. And so... A businessman, though, not a politician. A businessman. Right? Yeah. And his whole thing, he was saying the same thing that Trump was saying in different words. He was saying, NAFTA's bad. We shouldn't have free trade like we have here. We should try. Mexico is, you know, unfairly. Well, let's be clear. Yeah. Now, I don't know what Perot is saying, but uh, NAFTA isn't free trade. Any Anything that requires thousands of pages of regulations <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't free trade. Free I'm, trade is the absence of regulation. When, when that was all going down, I'm trying to remember the, the comedian who said it, but uh, a, a free trade agreement should sound something like this. This. You are free to trade with whomever you like. Yep. End of story. <laughs> and that's it. Period. That would, yeah, that would be, be one sentence. Be, that one would page. be true prosperity well, for it. for us and for other peoples around the world. You mentioned Cuba. Uh, you know that is one of the least free areas as far as trading with the United States. They uh, there's been a prohibition on that for a very long time, and that has harmed the people of Cuba and as well as the people of the United. And that's States. the intent. The yes. intent is to make them uh, suffer enough that they will overthrow their government to a government that we like, and then we take off the sanctions. Uh, yeah, and and uh, to get back to our first story, the biggest reason why they have to target Cuba is because the Cuban monetary system is not compatible with all of our banking nonsense. Hmm. It's the same reason that they target North Korea. It's the same reason that they target all of these Muslim countries that actually use their religious uh, observance, unlike Saudi Arabia, to not have uh, 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 loans at interest. Right. The Mm -hmm. ban on usury is still very uh, high in uh, Islamic countries. But look, let's take North Korea as an example. What do people know about North Korea except it's a part of the axis of evil, according to Mm -hmm. uh, George W. Bush? Well, let me tell you something about that. The previous president, that William Jefferson Clinton, who won, I know we were talking about Perot. uh, By the way, Perot invested in uh, Steve Jobs' uh, company, Hmm. and that's how Steve Jobs came back. Uh, But let's go back. So William Jefferson Clinton made a deal with North Korea and the president of it, Kim Jong-il at the time, Mm -hmm. that they would not develop nukes. It was very similar to the JCPOA, the Iran deal that uh, Obama did, except back then they said, listen, we're going to take off some sanctions. We're going to give you a little breathing room. And uh, in return, you won't develop nukes. We're not your enemy. And guess what? They made a deal. They actually shook on it. The next administration, because we have a democracy, the next administration was a different party. They said this deal is appeasement. Uh, we are. Mm. It's it's too expensive to give North Korea things like not banning their trade, and <laughs> mm. so so we're going to get a better deal, just like Trump said about the Iran deal. And then the next thing is they got a nuke. So not the next thing. So for years, they they neglected the deal on both sides until North Korea kind of got fed up and they probably got a nuke from like either Ukrainian or Russian like scientists. I don't know. And then they went on to give Syria um, nuclear uh, secrets and Syria was building some nukes uh, and Israel uh, apparently had to fly out and bomb a Syrian nuclear reactor, uh, which 2006. It was called uh, Operation Orchard or I want to Something. go back to Rob's question about yeah. Ross Perot. Uh, I, I would say this, Rob, if Ross Perot got elected, it would be pretty much meaningless because he's just one guy. And this is the same answer that I would give 
if somebody asked a question about, you know, Ron Paul getting elected, I think Ron Paul would be more effective because he's got some principles. He could withdraw troops from around the world. So I think it would look better with Ron Paul. But Ron Paul can't pass legislation on his own. Ross Perot wouldn't be able to either. So you would need to have like a sea change in Congress in order to actually have anything significant change uh, there in D.C., which, of course, yep. impossible to yeah. actually. Uh, oh, I wanted happen. to add one important thing. The free trade agreement, right? I saw Al Gore debate Ross Perot. Like they, they set up the vice president to debate Ross Perot mm. afterwards. And in the debate, Al Gore was giving examples where uh, producers were uh, – consumers in the United States were benefiting from free trade. And Ross Perot was giving examples where producers in the United States were being harmed by free trade. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.